Hi, NYSOA family. We are here today with John Freeman. He is joining us to talk about his MLS debut. Thanks, John, for being here. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, Adriana. Good to see you. Good to see you too. So can you start telling us a little bit about how you started refereeing, how you kind of got into it and how you've worked your way up to where you are today? Sure. I think that part of my story will be pretty common with the NISO membership. Um, when I was about 13, my baseball team, actually, we all went out for refereeing in the same season. Um, those were much simpler times than they are now. I can remember very vividly it was recreational soccer. Um, every team was blue versus red. And so you only had to have one jersey. We just all had yellow. Um, and I remember the first year, the next season, they actually let the teams all pick their own colors. And we were so upset because we then had to buy more uniform colors. Um, <laughs> but that's how it started. It started very recreationally, you know, make a few dollars as a referee. And as a 13 year old, there's no better money than refereeing on the weekends, right? You could be out there all day and make a couple hundred bucks if you're decent at it. So that's how it all started. Um, here in the Kansas City area and I, I drive by the fields that I started on on a regular basis and every time I just kind of like give an I love you to the fields uh, for good good memories so that's where it all started. Nice nice so at, you kind of started um, like you said kind of traditionally getting it getting in some extra cash how did you kind of start taking your refereeing to the next level like what was there a first event was it someone who said hey move up kind of Walk us through that process. Yeah, it was a little bit a uh, combination of both. Um, so from the recreational ranks, I started refereeing premier soccer in the area. Um, we just had a, we had a real shortage of referees. So I would say my opportunity came be out of need more than my ability to referee really. Um, so that's how it started. And I started doing a little bit higher level games and just like any parts of the country, um, someone sees you perform or sees you work hard and they give you an opportunity at the next level. Um, I can remember my first state cup here in the state of Kansas um, and my really good friend, David Friedberg. I remember very specifically watching him work a really tough match and he literally almost ran himself to death because he was working so hard. It was just something that he wanted so hard. And I remember that so vividly to this day. And that was, that combined with a couple other things was when I said, this is what I want to do. I think I'm pretty good at it and I can at least attempt to go far. Nice. Nice. So first state cup, um, when did you kind of start traveling that kind of thing? Sure. Um, so that was the state cup. I was just a referee, like a grade seven at the time, I think it was eight or seven. Um, the next season I got my state badge. And that's when the state kind of selected a few of us to start traveling us. So myself, Kyle Atkins and Ryan Cook are also NISO members. Um, they kind of just joined us at the hip and started sending us places. Um, we went to Dallas Cups. We went to amateur events. We went to eventually Development Academy events um, kind of as a crew. I remember driving to Chicago for one amateur game because that was the closest opportunity for us. So we just rented a car and drove up, did the game, spent the night and drove back. Um, so I would say that was probably just before I joined NISOA. Maybe that was happening at the same time around 2008 or 2009. 
um, when that started happening. Um, yeah, I remember those trips very vividly, like they were yesterday. It feels like three lifetimes ago, but um, I'm sure we'll get into this. Those are the things that you never forget. And no matter how far or how far you do not go, you'll always remember stuff like that in your journey, so. Yeah, great support system, it sounds like. Oh yeah, 100%. So you kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, when did you join NISOA? And can you tell us a, a little bit about how you've kind of worked your way through the college ranks? Sure. Um, I think my, my NISOA journey started when I got to college. Um, so I spent a couple years at a community college and transferred to a four-year school. That fall that I transferred, I started refereeing college soccer um, here in the Kansas City area. Um, I started, it's funny because in the ranks of college soccer, you think of them as levels, right, or divisions, mm -hmm. um, but they're all tough in their own way. So I started off doing junior college games, which some would say is at the bottom of the hierarchy of college soccer, mm -hmm. but those games were so tough. I'm sure you've done a couple of those. Those games are so tough. Um, I remember my, my first college middle was actually a huge rivalry here in Kansas City. There's a division one school and a division two school right across the street from each other. Mm -hmm. And I think I was like three games into my nice solo career, had never blown a whistle. And the assigner just thought, let's just see what he can do. Um, that game did not go well. Uh, I'm sure you could tell the story yourself. You could imagine that game didn't go well. Um, and actually almost scared me off from college soccer. Um, but with a call from the assigner shortly thereafter saying, hey, they all don't go that way. You'll get better. There's a learning curve. I, I kind of stuck with it. Um, but I'll never forget that game either. That game, it was bad. It was really bad. Those rivalries can be, uh, especially between divisions, can be a little deceiving, right? Oh, it's terrible. The Division One team thought they, they should have beat up on the Division Two team. And the Division Two team thought, well, we're not going to lose to you. And it was... The rest is you can fill in the blanks. <laughs> well, awesome. Awesome. So kind of switching gears a little bit. Uh, we're going to kind of focus in on the exciting moment. Where were you when you found out you'd been assigned to your first MLS middle? And what was your reaction? I actually wish I had a better like moment story, but I was just sitting at my desk at work, just like just working like a normal human being. Um, how it worked for MLS in 2020 is you'd get an email asking about your availability for a specific match. And then you would reply to that email saying, yes, I am available. And then the assignment would come through. Um, so I was sitting at my desk. Um, I got the email that says, are you available for this match? And I scrolled down to see you know, what slot I was penciled in for. And it said referee and my heart just started racing. Like I wish I was wearing my heart rate miter strap because it was probably 180 through the roof. Um, the first phone call I made was to my wife, Katie. Um, this is something, this journey is something that you cannot do alone. Um, so as much time and energy as, as I've invested, so have my wife and kids. Um, so she deserved to be the first one to know. Um, she screamed so loud I had to pull the phone away from my ear because she was so excited. Um, then I made a few other calls to some very close friends um, and it was kind of the same reaction. Um, 
but yeah, I was just sitting at my desk, just like a normal person <laughs> waiting for email. Yeah. Exciting moment. I bet, you know, I know you're saying, I wish it was more exciting, but you're never going to forget like sitting at your desk, finding out you'd been assigned, right? Yeah. I can't remember what project I was working on, but whatever I was doing, I, I didn't do it for the next hour and a half because I was making phone calls and like making sure I read the email correctly. So yeah, it was, it was quite uh, distracting, I guess you could say. Yeah. 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 Exciting moment, you know, um, huge milestone. Congratulations again. Thanks. Can you walk us through a little bit of like your preparation in the, in the days leading up to the match? Sure. Um, it actually wasn't any different than preparation for a normal match. Um, so that day I got the assignment, I actually had three assignments in between that day and the MLS game, uh, two middles at the USL level and a VAR at the MLS level. Mm -hmm. So it was really hard mentally to just push that game out of my mind and stay focused on those other three assignments. Um, you know, at that high level, if, if I had messed up one of those other three assignments, I, I could be pulled off of the, the MLS whistle. So um, it was actually more pressure on that, on those three games I felt than actually on the MLS game itself. Um, but the preparation for the MLS game was no different than the other games. Um, as part of the development group, we have coaches. Uh, you meet with your coach a couple of days before the match. Um, you're always training physically and mentally, um, watching game tape. The development group for pro actually has um, someone who cuts clips for us. So before every game, you can go in and just watch anything from attacking corner kicks all the way to defensive shape and everything in between. Uh, so the resources there are really, really good. So uh, the lead up to the game wasn't much different than any other game that I've done, to be honest. Nice. And you had to stay focused on your other stuff first. So kind of kept you compartmentalized. Yeah, that was, that was so tough. I mean, I was just, I was more nervous for those three games than I'd been for any other games the rest of the season. Cause I just didn't want to make a mistake. As referees, we never want to make a mistake, right? But when something's riding on that game, whether it's a big rivalry game like you talked about earlier, or it's a playoff game, or you have something personally on the line, like you feel the pressure. We're human. You can't really avoid those emotions. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, what did game day look like for you? What did you eat? Where were you? What did you kind of go through? You know, all the exciting stuff we want to know. Game day. Uh, so my first game was in Chicago. It was Chicago and Columbus. Um, at that point of the season, we were traveling two days before the game to get to the city. So you could have your COVID test the day before the game. Um, so I flew in two days before. Um, we stayed at the Ritz Carlton for that game. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not, but it was really weird. Like I've seen that hotel in like social media and different posts and to like go and check in, I almost didn't feel worthy. Like, it was like, what am I doing here? It's too fancy. Um, <laughs> outside of the fancy hotel, it was very normal. Um, two nights before the game, I met with one of my friends in Chicago. Um, that's the other thing I love about refereeing is I could go to so many different cities across the States and have someone to hang out with. I think that's probably one of my favorite parts. Uh, but I had dinner with a, a good friend, a good referee friend. 
uh, in Chicago. Uh, the day before the game, the other referees were coming in. So we were having breakfast together, having lunch together. Um, the match before the game is a pretty normal diet. I would say my diet doesn't really change until match day. Um, I usually eat a pretty big breakfast and then a very small lunch. And then I snack like as we're headed to the stadium. Um, so especially that game day, we were, a, I think we were a one o'clock kickoff. So that's too close to lunchtime to eat like a really good lunch, like something that would really like fill you up. Um, so that was kind of weird, but big breakfast in the morning, like eight or 9 a.m., a snack before the game, and then just go to work. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, busy, busy travel schedule. Yes. Mm -hmm. For sure. <laughs> What's one thing you'll never forget from your match? I only have only one. I mean, um, as many as you want to give us, uh, what's, what's, what are the things you won't ever forget? I'll give you a couple. So it probably was the most emotional game that I've ever been a part of just because that's kind of just, that, that's something you can write on a goal list, right? And kind of work toward and to actually achieve that goal. Um, so COVID kind of gave me a special opportunity to be by myself before the game. Because of COVID, all the referees have to rent their own car to get to the stadium. Where um, normally we would just all pile in the same, you know, suburban or minivan and just ride together. Um, so it was about a 10 minute drive from the hotel to the stadium. And I remember like at a stoplight looking at my phone and like seeing all of the support come through, like hundreds of text messages, dozens of emails, social media was going crazy. And it's like, I had to like pull over because I was so choked up in the moment. Um, like, like I said earlier, like you can't do this by yourself. So to have that support was just very, very emotional. Uh, so I'll never forget that part of it that I'm not even to the stadium yet. And I'm already having a moment. Um, getting to the stadium was no big deal. During the match, I had two moments with players that I'll never forget. Um, one of the players for Columbus, Derek Etienne Jr., I've refereed him um, at the college level. I've refereed him at the USL level. And then we're kind of like growing up together and now we're both in MLS. So I had a moment like eight minutes into the game where I point goal kick and he's on the left side of the field. And he looks at me, we make eye contact and he says, good to see you here. I was like, good to be here. That was, that was a fun moment. Um, later in the game, a substitute came on for Chicago named CJ Sapong. He spent a lot of time here in Kansas City. So on my way up, he was early in his career. So I was doing a lot of those scrimmage games for Sporting Kansas City, um, seeing him a lot in the wild here in Kansas City, you know, just shopping for groceries or uh, things like that. Um, uh, unfortunately, a player got injured. We had some downtime. CJ came over to me and like offered his, his fists for like a little bump. Um, and he said, good to see you here. And I said, Thanks. Like the, the match could have gone very badly, but I would have always remembered those two moments. It was just kind of felt like validation that you worked really, really hard. People noticed, and now you're getting called out for it. And then the last moment, uh, because of COVID, no fans were allowed. So my family wasn't able to come to the game, but they, they made the trip to Chicago. Um, they just watched the game from the hotel room. So seeing them, after the game in that moment of like, we've made it 
Um, and I say we very seriously and very purposefully because no one gets here alone. You can't get to the top alone. And my wife's put in sacrifice, my kids are put in sacrifices. So to have that moment of just like, we made it after the game and in the parking lot, like just came to the stadium and met me in the parking lot. That was emotional as well. So those are the moments of that day that I'll never, ever forget. Wow. Yeah. Um, your, your conversation about, you know, scrolling through all the support and then for the players to recognize, like you've, you've earned your spot. That's, that's pretty cool. That's really awesome. Yeah. Those were fun moments. And I don't ever expect to have that ever <laughs> again. And I didn't expect to have it in that moment. The players you know, kind of recognize me, but um, it was, it was a little bit of validation for sure. And it felt really good. I'm not going to lie. It felt really good. <laughs> so now that the game's over, went well? Looked good. Uh, it, went, it went well enough to get two more games. So, I, I mean, I guess that's the measuring stick. Um, you know, they, they give you games that they think you can do well at. So I did that one. It, it went pretty well. Of course, there were mistakes made. It's my first ever MLS game. Never, no game's going to go perfect, but it went well enough to get two more. So I would consider it a success. Nice, nice. So now that you've done it, how do you how do you feel that the college game has prepared you for where you're at with pro today? And doing no, a good question. We actually already talked about it a little bit. The diversity in the college game. Um, like every game, no matter what level, junior college, NAIA, uh, division three, two, one, like no matter what level, there are challenges within those games, whether it's physical challenges, mental challenges, player management, and all that stuff translates. It's all soccer at the end of the day. Yeah, the rules and the laws might be a little different from game to game, but all of the stuff inside the game, managing people and the physical running and all that stuff translates over to the other side and vice versa. Um, so I would say we have a lot of junior college and NAI here in our part of the country. And every year, the local NAI um, conference sends two or three teams to the national tournament. So even though it's NAIA, and some people would consider that lower on the totem pole of, of college soccer, it's very high level soccer. Um, so those are the games that I was doing, you know, leading up to my career into USL and now into MLS. And I, I don't think I'd be here where I am without those games, if I'm being honest with myself. Yeah, a huge part of the development process, right? For sure. Awesome. Okay, what's one or more pieces of advice you'd give to your NISOA family aspiring to be where you are today? I'm a sucker for the or more part. It's hard for me to just give one. Um, you, you've learned me so well in this short interview. Um, I'd say the biggest piece of advice is, and I don't know how to say it, so I'm just gonna say it, be a good person. Like treat other people with respect because no matter where you go, no matter what league, no matter what division, like you're gonna deal with people. And if you don't treat people well, it's going to catch up to you eventually. Um, and then uh, I'll go back to what I said earlier. I have so many friends across the country. Like I could travel to almost any state and pick up the phone and have dinner with someone. And that I have soccer to thank for that. 
both Nysoa, both pro, both even youth soccer. I have friends because we've got youth tournaments together. So I would say be a good person and treat people with respect. Just treat other people how you want to be treated. Um, so I, that would be my biggest piece. And the second piece is you have to work hard. You have to work hard. Some of the best referees don't make it because they don't work hard. So take it seriously, work really, really hard, and then enjoy it after the game. If you put in the hard work during the game, you could, you'll have a better time after the game every single time. So be a good person, work really, really hard. That, those would be my two biggest keys. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, John, for your time. You know, I, I know the NISO family really appreciates you sharing a little bit of insight to your big game and, you know, uh, sharing your knowledge with all of us. So thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Any parting words? Uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Crazy times right now. Um, just do what's right for you in these times. That's all I got. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, John. Thanks, Adriana.